0: Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you and I'm sure that you do. Very good. I want you to take them out and go to the Old Testament book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, as we are kicking off our new series for this month of January, titled Just Be, uh, Becoming a Person That God Uses in 2022. That's what we're going to be looking at, but as you are turning there, let's give a, a round of applause to Britton for leading us out in worship this morning. Thank you so much. Thank you for that, Britton. And uh, thank you to the hospitality team for our great breakfast this morning. Give a a can, clap of praise for them. So if I see you reach into your pocket, pull out a sausage biscuit this morning, that'll be okay. We'll just clean it up later. But anyways, I'm so glad that you're here uh, this morning as we kick off um, this uh, brand new year. And typically, and many of you have probably already uh, done this, but... When the New Year kicks off, you begin to make New Year's resolutions. You make, uh, you make goals. How many, show up your hands, how many of you have already made some New Year's resolutions? Let me see your hands. We have some real goal setters here in this church. <laughs> so which makes the next question null and void. Um, how many of you have already failed to keep your New Year's resolutions? Well… Since you didn't make any, you can't uh, break any. But uh, but anyways, um, I typically um, like to spend the last week, last two weeks of the month of December, um, just reflecting on twenty or, or the past year, twenty twenty one, and and then just praying, um, asking the Spirit to uh, guide me and show me and lead me in what what I would like to set for goals in my life, and then for our church as well. And so I typically um, like to write down some goals, and uh, but here's a quote that I found this past week. I thought it was really good, and it comes from, from Rick Warren, who is the pastor at Saddleback Church out in California, and he's actually stepping down in the very, very near future. But he wrote this about goals, and he wrote this about resolutions, which really a resolution is a goal. But, but listen to this. I think this is really, really good. It challenged me. He said this, goals should stretch your faith. The bigger your goal, the more your faith will be stretched, and that pleases God. Now listen to this next statement. Let the size of your God determine the size of your goal. Isn't that good? Let the size of your God determine the size of your goal. You have a tiny God, you'll have tiny goals. If you have a big God, you will have big goals. If you have no God, you will have no goals. Isn't that good? I mean, I just love that phrase that he said, let the size of your God determine the size of your goal. But that's real challenging to me. I think far too often, I know in my own personal life, um, I set goals that are too low in God's eyes. Does that make sense to everybody? And so in 2022, man, I want us to look forward with with big expectations from God, uh, that we attempt great things for Him because God is big, so we should have big goals because of that. Um, I came across some goals that some Christians had written down, and I would call these tiny goals. Listen to these. These are New Year's resolutions that that I found throughout um, social media for, for Christians. They said this. I think they're comical. One of them, said this, I will not use let me pray about it as a synonym for no when somebody asks me for a favor. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? We get this in the church life a lot, like, will you please help in the nursery? Let me pray about that. We know what that means. That means what? No. Anyways, I thought that was a good one. Here's a real good one. I saw this one. and said this, I will not have an epic fight with my spouse on the way to church. Isn't that pretty good? little confession time, my wife and I, we've been married for (laughs) quite a while and (laughs) truth, this is the truth, we have never had a fight on Sunday morning. We've never had a fight on Sunday morning. You know why? We go in separate vehicles. (laughs) Men, there's a lesson there, I promise you. There is a lesson we've never had a fight. Um, this, this is a really good one, and, and I've seen some of you use this one, um, and I think you'll get it when I explain it. Here, here's one resolution for a Christian. They said this, I will not use the hashtag, hashtag blessed, for things God might not have been involved in. Let me give you an example. For example, just got tickets to the college football national championship, hashtag blessed. That really doesn't work, right, unless it's followed up with hashtag GoDogs, hashtag Beat Saban. Amen? Can we get away amen on that one? <laughs> now, I promise you this will be my last statement about Texas Tech Red Raiders. <laughs> they played Mississippi State this past week in the bowl game, and they won. Praise God. I'm hashtag blessed. Isn't that good? I'm just hashtag blessed. It's really, really, really good. But don't, don't be that person who says hashtag blessed when you're the one who really, really, really did it. But here's a good one, and we'll move on. Uh, somebody wrote this. I will drive nicer on the way to church, or at least remove the little Jesus fish so I can drive like a maniac in the church parking lot once the sermon is over. Well, anyways, like, like Rick Warren said, let the size of your God determine your goal. Well. In this series, Just Be, um, we're going to look at this over the next five weeks. It is my prayer. It is my prayer, my desire for you as an individual, you as a family, even me as a church, that we as a church, that we can be used by God in a big way. Amen? To be used by God in a big, big way. Um, I'm sure many of us, we can look back on 2021 and say, you know what? I wish I could have done that a little bit different, Right? And as we move forward in 2022, uh, my prayer is that we would believe in a big God and that we would not be afraid to believe big things. Folks, we have a big God, and so that needs to determine, and that can determine the size of our goal. And so over the next five weeks, we are going to look at five different things that that honestly the Lord has been placing on my heart um, just regarding this new year and and honestly regarding even my own journey of faith. Um, I, I want to be used by God. I want you to be used by God. I want... I, I, want our, I want our church to be used by God. And I believe if we, if we do these five things that we'll talk about over the next five weeks, I think we're going to put ourselves in a position that God can use us. But I think we need to put ourselves into a certain position to be used by God. And over the next five weeks, we're going to look at these things. We're going to look at how we need to be prepared. We need to be prayerful. We need to be powerful. We need to be passionate. And we need to be present. And I believe if we do those things then we're gonna be put into the right position to be used by God. Ultimately, God's gonna use us wherever we are, but I want us to be in that right position so that God can say, you know what, yes, here's this man, here's this woman, here's this student, here's this church that's in the right position to be used by me in the year 2022 to take the gospel to the nations. And so this morning, the first topic is this, be prepared. Say that with me, be prepared. Look at Joshua chapter 1. We're going to look at Joshua chapter 1, and then we're going to look at Joshua chapter 3. So uh, follow along in your copy of God's Word. It's on the screen behind me as well. But uh, Joshua 1, verses 10 and 11, this is what the Word of God says. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people saying, prepare provisions for yourselves. For within three days you are to cross this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess it. Turn over to Joshua chapter 3. All within the same story, all within the same context, Joshua 3, verse 5, Joshua then said to the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Let's pray together. Father, as we come here this morning and we, we sit before your word, Father, I pray that we would hear your voice speak. And I pray, God, as we, as we hear, as we worship, may we put our best foot forward for this year and we say to you now, word of God, speak. And we say, God, show us, show me how I can be in the right position to be used by you. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said amen. One of the things that my family um, likes to do is we like to talk about going on a trip we like to talk about going on a trip Um, this past Friday um, we returned with our student ministry from a a ski trip up in West Virginia praise God nobody got injured praise God Um, but we went skiing in West Virginia and uh, it was 60 degrees praise God so we made it safely home, and so my family, I, so we just began to dream about what would it really be like to ski on snow, <laughs> real snow, not man-made snow, but, but real snow, and where the slopes are wide and the, out, the, the elevation is, is high, so we began to dream about snow skiing in Colorado. Now, my wife and I, we've had the fortunate opportunity to do that um, uh, when we were in student ministry and take our students snow skiing in Colorado. My girls haven't had to do that, had that opportunity, so we, we pull out the computer, go to YouTube, and we just watched people skiing in Colorado, and we dreamed, and it was fun to talk about going on a trip, but we're probably like most people that... Most of us, we talk more than we go. Amen? We talk about going on a trip more than we ever go on a trip. But there is a sign in our household when we are about to go on a trip. It's when my wife begins to make preparations. She pulls out the luggage, and we start packing for the trip. And in my household, if we ever go on a trip, my wife and my girls, they start packing three weeks in advance. Can I get an amen on that one? I packed the night before. Men, are you with me? But before we go on a trip, my wife and my girls, they begin to prepare. They begin to make preparations to leave. And, And watching them make preparations Watching them get things ready, here's what it does. It actually builds anticipation. It actually gets you excited about going on the trip. You have moved from talking about a trip to now you are going on a trip because you're making all the preparations. And when you begin to prepare to go on the trip, you get rather excited about it, don't you? You get excited about going on the trip. And here's what I have learned, and here's what I've discovered um, in, in my years and as I grow in my faith, which is what I've learned, it's the same thing in the spiritual realm. So many times, many of us talk the talk. Oh, I want to go there. I want to go this. I want to, I want to do this. I think about this. I want to do this. But we never make the preparations to go on the trip that we're talking about. Are you with me? You see, in the spiritual realm, just as it is in the physical realm, preparation is an act of faith. When you prepare to go on a trip, you believe that you are going on the trip. And if you, in the spiritual realm, if you really believe that God is going to do something in your life, here's what you do. You get ready for it. Isn't that right? If you really believe If you really believe that God is going to do something, you begin to make preparations for it. You begin, in faith, you believe, you know, God said that this is going to happen, so I'm going to make preparations for it. For example, this is kind of a silly illustration, but the idea is this. When we pray for rain, what should we be carrying with us wherever we go? An umbrella. That's faith. And preparation is an act of faith. There is a, over the past couple of weeks, I've been reading a biography um, on a pastor by the name of Ron Dunn. Many of you may not know the name, maybe you've never heard of him. I was just introduced to him just a couple of uh, months ago. Um, This pastor, Ron Dunn, he has since passed on, but he was… He was the pastor of MacArthur um, Boulevard Baptist Church in Irving, Texas, during the 70s and 80s. And under his pastoral leadership, that church doubled in growth through a prayer revival. And this is what he said through this revival and through the Lord stretching him in faith. He said this, in my own spiritual walk, I discovered that God gives me only what I'm prepared to receive, that God will only give you what you are prepared to receive. Well, in our text that we've already read this morning, in our text, we read That God has told Joshua this, that it is a prepared people who are going to possess the land. He said, if you are going to possess the land, which I have already given you, you need to prepare. Look at verse number 11. He says this, prepare yourselves to cross the Jordan to go in to possess the land. Well, if that's the case, if that's the case where God told the Israelites that you need to prepare in order to receive, then what I want us to do this morning is to examine the preparations that we need to make to cross over the Jordan River into our promised land. Does that make sense with everybody? What preparations are we making as we go into this new year? What preparations are you are you making in your life, the things that you have talked about? Uh, what's your promised land, and what's the Jordan River that you need to cross? In our text this morning, there are three ways that you and I need to be prepared as we move forward in 2022. Number one, I want you to write this down. This comes straight from our text. Be prepared to spend time in God's Word. Look back at verse number 11. Look back at verse number 11, and God told Joshua to tell the people, prepare provisions for yourselves. Do you see that? Prepare provisions for yourself. Now, as I was reading this text and contemplating and meditating on this text, I actually found this to be a little interesting. Why would God say, prepare provisions for yourself? Now, I want you to picture this. This is the Israelite nation. Scholars will say that there's roughly two to three million people at this point. Two to three million people are standing on the banks of the Jordan River. They're standing on the banks. They can look across the Jordan River and there they see the promised land. There they see where they want to go, but there's this river that's in front of them, and these two to three million people are on the banks of the Jordan River. Well, what do we know about the Jordan River at this time? Look over in chapter 3. Turn over to Joshua chapter 3. Look at verse number 15. Um, Look near the end of that verse, and it gives us a clue as to what the Israelites are staring at. In verse number 15, chapter 3, it says this, "'The Jordan overflows all its banks.'" So, what is going on with the Jordan River? It's flooded. You see it? Can you picture it? Two to three million people are looking at a flooded river. The Jordan River has flooded over its banks, and two to three million people are looking at it. And the first thing that God says to them is what? Prepare provisions. Now, if I'm standing there before this Jordan River that's overflowing, and I hear prepare provisions for yourselves, I'm kind of going, what? I mean, how about prepare a boat, right? I mean, that would seem to make more sense to get across a flooded river. How about a boat? How about, how about this, God? How about, how about a bridge? How about, God, you tell us prepare a bridge so that people can walk over the Jordan River? But that's not what God says. God says, prepare provisions for yourselves. So what in the world does the word provision mean? In Hebrew, it's the Hebrew word "seda," and it simply means this, are you ready? It means bread, food. Do you get the picture? Do you get it? God says, as they're standing in front of the flooded river, he says, get ready to cross this river by go getting some bread. Do you find that amazing? Or am I the only one who finds that amazing? I find that quite amazing. Go get bread. Bread. God, we got to get across this river. Why do we need bread? Why do we need to get bread for the crossing of this Jordan River? Well, I believe that the lesson behind that is this. That your diet. What you will eat is what prepares you for God's journey in your life. What you eat prepares you for what God has for you on the other side of the Jordan River. Now, obviously we're not talking about physical food here. We're talking about spiritual food. But all throughout Scripture, listen, all throughout Scripture, you get this idea that we need to eat God's Word The prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapters 2 and 3, it says this, that the prophet Ezekiel uh, ate the scroll of the Lord and uh, and, and he spoke the words of God. In the book of Revelation, um, it says this, that John, the revelator, John, the apostle, he, he ate the word of the Lord and he spoke the words and prophesied in the name of Jesus. The prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 15 says this, your words were found and I ate them and your words became for me a joy and delight of my soul. In Psalm 119, in Matthew 4, in Hebrews 5, in 1 Peter 2, we are all told that God's word is good for us to eat. Jesus Christ. Christ himself said this, I am the bread of life. And he said, the words which I have spoken to you bring you life and are full of the Spirit. So in order for us to cross our Jordan to get into the promised land, we need a steady diet of God's word. Amen? I mean, you individually have to prepare provisions for yourself. Now, here's what I know. Here's what I've seen, here's what I've experienced. I've been in the ministry for a a long time, and here's what I know. People often talk about in the new year they want to go on a diet, right? They want to go on a diet, and they restrict what they eat physically. Here's what I know. Many people in the church have existed on a diet from God's Word. And they have believed the lie that I need to have little intake from God's Word. Listen, in order for you to cross your Jordan in 2022, in order to get into the promised land in 2022, you need to upgrade your intake of God's Word. You need to upgrade your intake of God's Word. Prepare provisions for yourself. Well, how can you do that? Let me give you three suggestions on how you can be prepared to, to eat the Word of God and to spend time in the Word of God. Here's, here's three suggestions. These aren't on the screen. These are just four. You might want to write these down. Here's three ways that you can begin to eat God's Word. Number one, in this month of January, you can do this. You can read through the book of Luke. Just read one chapter a day. Why do you say the Luke, Pastor? Because starting in February, um, I'm going to begin a sermon series on the book of Luke. And we're going to go all the way, probably to the summertime of 2027, so just hang with me, all right? But we're going to be in the book of Luke. What a great opportunity for you to, to read ahead and get an idea of what the book of Luke is about. And then when you come here on Sunday morning, man, you'll be ready to rock and roll. So that is one option for you. Another option is this. Choose a reading plan and stick to it. Um, I know that many of you, because I've seen this come across uh, my, uh, my phone and my iPad, that many of you have already gone to the YouVersion uh, Bible app and have started a Bible reading plan. I think that's great. Do that. Choose a plan and stick to it. One that I've used in the past that, that I would recommend is called the Disciple Journal Reading Plan. The Disciple Journal Reading Plan. It's by the Navigators, a well-known, a good uh, parachurch organization. And the Discipleship Journal Reading Plan, you will read from four sections of Scripture every single day. Uh, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the Book of Psalms for sure. But that's one that you can do, but choose a plan and stick to it. Read through the book of Luke, choose a plan, stick to it. And number three, I want to encourage you, um, I want to encourage all of you in this, in this, in this room, if you're watching, um, to sign up to take a precepts Bible study class called How to Study the Bible. We are offering that class on a Saturday, February 26th. It's a great way for you to learn how to study God's Word on your own so that you can fill up your life and your soul with God's Word. So the first thing we see from our text is this, that you need to prepare yourselves. Prepare provisions, which is God's Word. Number two, write this down. Be prepared to wait. Be prepared to wait. Look back in our text. Are you all with me this morning? Look back at our text. Look at verse 11. Again, God through Joshua Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, saying, prepare provisions for yourselves. And look what he says next. For within three days, you are going to cross this Jordan. Now, in the margin of your Bible, out beside verse number 11, write this word. Write the word delay, D-E-L-A-Y, delay. So before they were to cross the Jordan into the promised land, there's going to be a delay. Now, again, I want you to picture this. Picture this in your mind, two to three million people, they're on the banks of the Jordan, they're on the border of the promised land, they have been traveling and wandering for 40 years in the desert, if you remember your Old Testament history. And now all of these people, they stand on the border, they stand at the river, they're chomping at the bit, and they are ready to go into the promised land, and then God says the famous words, Wait. That's frustrating at times, isn't it? When God says, wait. I mean, they're ready to go for 40 years. They've been waiting to get into the promised land. And now God says there's going to be a delay. I don't don't know about you, but I, I, I I I don't like delays. One thing that I've learned to never pray is this. Oh, Lord, give me patience. Right? Because guess what? He's gonna give it to you. But it's through trial and error. And here, there is a delay. But here's, here's, what, here's what I think we need to understand about God when it comes to a delay or time of waiting. You might wanna write this down. This is a good, good thing to remember. God is never in a hurry. God is never in a hurry. He rarely operates on our time schedule. Really, he operates outside of time because God himself is outside of time. Amen? But God is never in a hurry, but he is always on time. As a people, we're used to instant gratification, um, instant coffee, um, instant messaging, and waiting is hard for us. But know this, you may be in a period of waiting right now, but know this, the Lord never wastes time, even in the delay. He's not wasting time with you. You're not just spinning your wheels while he's asking you to wait. No. Every delay plays an important role in your life. And in our text, there's a couple of things that God does that shows us that God is still working even in the delay. I want you to write write these two things down. Number one, during this delay, it's a time of observation for the Israelites. Okay, I want you to see this. It's a time of observation. Now, again, you gotta go, go in your mind. Go in your mind with me and picture this. Again, two to three million people standing on the banks of the Jordan River. What does the Jordan River look like? What is it? It's what? It's, it's flooded. It is absolutely flooded. I can imagine at least one person out of the two million said this, we can't cross that. I'm sure somebody else said, why don't we build a bridge? Where's our boat? And I'm sure there are a few that said, we can't do this. I mean, you can see that, right? And We can't do this. And I think in this delay, I believe that God is making them observe that this is an impossible situation. That he has put them into an impossible situation. And this is exactly where God wants them. So many times in your life, God will put you into a position that seems like it is an impossibility. It is impossible to cross. It is impossible to do this. So many times he has put you, he's put me, he's put a church, he has put us into a situation where we say if God isn't in this, this thing is going to fail. And I believe this delay, these three days of delay, God says, I want you to go across the promised land, but wait. I believe he's putting them into a position where they are coming to the point where they say, God, I can't do this. Have you ever been in that position before? I mean, where God has put you and all you see is the, is, the, is the Jordan River flooded, whatever that situation is, and man, you stand before it and you say, God, I can't do this. God, I, you tell me to cross, I can't do it, God. And so many times that's exactly where God wants you. He wants to get you to that point where you say, man, I can't do this. Now, I know recently, Recently, God put me in a position like that. I, I heard what God said. It looked different from what I was seeing. Does that make sense? I see this, but God's telling me something different. And I had a decision to make, what, what am I going to do here? How do I do this? And, and I had to give some news Talk to somebody that I loved that I cared about, and I had to give them some news that they did not want to hear. I mean, I, I don't like confrontation, and so many times, guess where God puts me in? What position? The confrontation position, the flooded Jordan River. I don't like it, but God puts me there so many times. And He puts me there in this position again. And I've got to share this news. I don't want to do it. And so I pulled out my phone. Have you ever done this? I pulled out my phone, and I put the person's number in my phone, right? And so I see their name and their face on the phone. You know what I'm talking about? And I'm so nervous that I put it on my, on my kitchen table, and I just stare at it for like 30 minutes. I'm just scared. Is anybody with me? And I'm just the point of going, God, the, God, the, the river is just flooding. And I'm being I was overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed, and it's just in that moment where I'm going, okay, God, I don't understand this. I don't get it. You've told me this. I don't get it. But I'm going to trust you because I'm going to trust you that, that in this impossible situation, you are possible. Michael Catt, or Cott, however you want to pronounce it, former pastor at um, Sherwood, um, Sherwood Baptist Church in Albany. Y'all remember, that's the church that does all the the movies, Facing the Giants, Fireproof, et cetera, et cetera. Um, He said this, and I think this is great, and I believe this is where the Israelites were at this point. He said this, God takes the impossible, and he makes them him-possibles. He takes the impossible, and he makes them him-possibles. Folks, so many times in our lives, we're taken to a flooded Jordan River to see the impossibilities, to observe, to point out that you can't do it. It's impossible in your own power and in your own strength. But here's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. With God, through the resurrected power of Jesus Christ, it is him possible. You may be in that position now. But I want to tell you, it's him possible. It's a time of observation. Second thing for the Israelites is this: we see it's a time of observation, but also it's a time for God to confirm His promise to them. See, in delays, in a time of waiting, it's an opportunity for God to confirm His promise to them. Now, Pastor, where did you get this from? This text? Where do you get that? Where do you get this from? The text is this: you know the story of the Israelites. You know the story. You know the story of for 40 years, the Israelites, what did they do? They wandered in the wilderness, right? They wandered in the wilderness under the leadership of Moses. In Joshua chapter 1, we see this. Moses has died. Leadership has been given to Joshua. And now in Joshua chapter 1, God is about to do something new. But you have to remember what has taken place the previous 40 years. Under Moses' leadership, Moses led them to the border of the promised land. And he sends in 12 spies. Do you remember this story? He sends in 12 spies, and Joshua is one of the spies, as is Caleb, one of the spies. And they go and they survey the land, and these 12 spies come back, and 10 of them come back, and they give a faithless report. They've looked at the, 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 the Jordan River, if you will. They see it as flooded, and they come back to the millions of people, and they say these words, man, we can't do this. We, 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 we can't do this. And Joshua and Caleb said, no, 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 God said we can do this, we can do this. But 10 of the 12 spies said, no, we can't do this, there's giants in the land, they will eat us alive, we cannot do it, and we can't go in there. And the people disobeyed God. You remember this, right? And for 40 years, for 40 years, God punished them because of their disobedience. Because of their lack of faith, they did not go into that promised land. And listen, you got to listen to this. And because of that generation's lack of faith, God said, you generation, you will die off before I let the Israelites in. Dwell on that for a few moments there. Don't be that generation. Don't be that generation that does not have faith And so for 40 years, they've wandered. For 40 years, they have struggled through the wilderness, and now they are here at this moment, and they're standing on the banks of the Jordan, and God says, wait. So in that waiting, here's what happens in Joshua chapter 2. We don't have to read that, but in Joshua chapter 2, Joshua did what Moses did. He sent spies into the land, but instead of 12, he sent two. That's a pretty smart move right there. He sent two spies into the promised land. They surveyed the land. He got a report from the land. And these two men came back and they gave a faith report. They said, Joshua, we can do this. We can do this. As a matter of fact, Joshua... All of the hearts of our enemies, uh, they they have melted. They're afraid of us. They see us. They're scared of us. Joshua, we will do this. We can do this. These two men in Joshua chapter 2 who went into the promised land, believed God's promise, came back to the two million people and said, people trust God. His promises are true. And so, listen. You may be in a time of delay, and here's what you have to do: you have to go back to God's promises. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. I feel like I'm losing. Well, here's what the Bible says: you're not. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm. I'm, All this is falling apart in my lives, and I'm. I'm losing control. Listen, the Bible says you're not in control in the first place. God's in control. So you may be at the Jordan River of your life, you're observing, you can't do it, it's an impossibility. Yes, it is impossible, but also you have to trust in God's promise. you got to spend time in God's Word, you got to know what His Word says, and you got to cling to a promise. you got to cling to a Word. you got to cling to it. Yesterday, I spent a good portion of my morning praying for my family. And, um, and I just prayed, and said, Lord, please give me, give, me, give me a word, give me some scriptures for them that I can pray over them for, for this next year. And um, man, you, you know what? God did it. God led me to two verses for each one in my family. And last night I shared that with my family, with Angela, with Abigail, and with Avery. And, and, and the things that we have to do is in those dark moments, we have to go back to those promises, Right? You have to go back to it. You got to cling to something. I mean, that's what faith is. It's believing in things that are what? Not seen. Oh, I see the Jordan River. I see it. No, 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 no. Faith isn't believing in things that are not seen, faith is seeing you on the other side of the Jordan River. But you have to prepare. You have to prepare. Prepare to spend time in God's word. Prepare. Prepare to wait. And then here's number three, and then we're going to be done. Prepare to make a deeper commitment to Christ. Would you turn over with me to chapter three? Y'all still with me this morning? We've got 45 more minutes to go. Go to chapter three. Look at verse number five. And here's what Joshua, God, threw Joshua to these. Two million, three million Israelites. He says, "This, you need to prepare to take to make a deeper commitment." Look at verse number five, and just just listen and let this fall on you. Then Joshua said to the people, "Consecrate yourselves." Do you see it? He says, "Consecrate yourselves." The word consecrate it means purify. It means to sanctify it means to set apart for special use in order for you and i to cross the jordan river whatever that may be in your life to get to the promised land whatever that may be there's got to be a purification preparation it means you got to be different than the world are you with me you don't do the things the way the world does now, here's what's interesting about these words that Joshua said. In verse 5 of chapter 3, this is the first time the Israelite people have heard this command in 40 years. The last time they heard it was when Moses was in leadership. He's on the mountain, and he tells the people, don't touch this mountain when God's going to speak. Remember that? Exodus 19. Do you Remember this? He says, you don't come near, instead, here's what he says in Exodus 19, Moses tells the Israelite people, he says this, consecrate yourselves so that you will hear the word of God. Write this phrase down, purity always comes before power. Purity always comes before power. Folks, if we are to be prepared to cross our Jordan, to get into the promised land, there needs to be a purification process. We need to be set apart. We need God to examine us. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to examine our hearts to see if there's any offensive way within us and that we would confess our sins and that we would be set apart for his work. And here's here's what I know. Um, Again, in ministry 20, 20 plus years, I often hear Isaiah 43 quoted at New Year's and Isaiah 43, 19 says this, Behold, see that I'm doing something new. That makes sense. It's a great New Year's verse, right? Behold, I'm doing something new. But here's what I've seen. Here's what I've seen. I have seen so many believers in Christ, so many church members, if you will, they'll say this, Oh, I believe, I believe that God is doing something new. But they never changed their lives. Are you with me? Oh, I believe God is leading me here. And they still do the same old filth that they've been doing before they said those words. God through Joshua said, you consecrate yourselves. You want to cross the Jordan? You purify yourself." You get right with God. You confess your sin. You repent of your sin. And you say, God, you give me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Take not your spirit away from me and lead me in the way of everlasting. You consecrate yourselves and then you live differently. You know, there's that old saying that says, if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to keep getting the same thing, but if you keep doing the same thing, hoping you get different results, that's just called insanity. Let's move away from that, and let's live a pure life. Students, live a pure life. Parents, show your students, your children, how to live a pure life. Ask hard questions. Sunday small groups hold each other accountable because God wants a people committed to him and to him alone. And so in 2022, I ask you to make a deeper commitment to Christ Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, the world's not going to get any better. Right? Right? If you've, if you've read this, you know that. It's only going to get what? I mean, and those aren't my words. It's going to get worse. So in 2022, let's be a people that gets prepared. Let me close with this poem here. It says, it's those who cling to temporal treasures forfeit grace that could be theirs, occupied with earthly trivia when they could be heaven's heirs. Heirs and joint heirs to the kingdom, the provisions God has made, rich in all his spiritual treasure for which Jesus Christ has paid. Lord, forgive our shortened division, seeing only what's at hand, blinded to those spiritual blessings waiting in the promised land, land where milk and honey's flowing, where the giants are our bread, while we stay camped in the desert doubting what the Lord has said. Those mirages of the desert, they seem like the real thing. I discovered all end up, Lord, in a heap of broken dreams. I'm sick and tired of wandering. I'm sick and tired of wandering over barren desert sand. And with your help, I'm crossing the Jordan into Canaan's promised land. Let's cross the Jordan. And let's possess that which God has said is already ours. Amen? Let's pray. Father, word of God, speak. Holy Spirit, speak to us. And may we commit to you and be completely yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.